You're listening to Halford and Bruff. You can't you can't play hockey like that. Uh, so obviously coaches are, aren't going to be be happy with that. He's going to like the two points they got at the end, but how they got there, uh, I wouldn't imagine that him being very happy with that. My brain barely works. I just think that Jim Rutherford is the kind of guy who'll say no, 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 no. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Brouth. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the beautiful Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you. Hello, hello. That's actually, I'm pl- I'm doing a bit with a dog here. We already saw each other this morning. I had to pick him up. Skytrain's broken. The Skytrain is broken? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't even like it's going to be fixed in 5, 10, 20 minutes. It was just like no Skytrains. I'm like, oh, okay. And that's what, the, 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 where did you find that out? Was it on your phone or did it, was no, there I was like at a the sky- sign at the Skytrain? Yeah, I was, like- at, I was at the Canada line at uh, Granville in Georgia yeah. where I always go to my normal stop. And uh-huh. they're so- just like, no Skytrains. Right now. You're like the traffic. Technical difficulties. You're like the, the traffic update guy now. Yeah, if you try to use the SkyTrain at Granville and Georgia, the Canada line specifically, it might not work. The traffic report is very narrow in scope, but for the six people that are taking the SkyTrain at 6.01 in the morning at that exact spot, you now know no SkyTrain. I mean, might it, it might be might working. Be, might be working. Yeah. Right Who's to say? Who's to say? Uh, we have a big show ahead on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Before I do that, uh, I need to throw to Jason so he can tell you more about Kintech. Do you mean Kintec footwear and orthotics? Yeah, they have both. both of them. Don't forget about that. Both. Like, they're not just an orthotics place. They're not just a footwear place. They are Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews, also with footwear. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We have a very, very diverse show. We're going to go all around the sporting landscape today. It's hump day. It's Wednesday. Bit of a slow day. There's no World Cup today. So we thought, you know what? Let's go around the sprots. We're going to start at 6.30. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN's NHL coverage. We'll go around the NHL with Wish. 7.05. We're going to go down to San Diego, Jason. San Diego. Uh, okay, who are we talking to? Shai Davidi. Oh, what's he doing in San Diego? Uh, the MLB winter meetings. And there was big news in Major League Baseball yeah. this morning. Boring. Aaron Judge. Yeah. Signs with the Yankees. I believe that's Arson Judge. Uh, Arson Judge. No, Arson Judge still went to the Giants. <laughs> and Aaron Judge uh, is. I don't I'm know, not getting back the joke. To the Yankees. Oh. Am I getting the you, joke? You weren't on Twitter for that moment. Uh, someone reported yesterday. John Heyman. John Heyman that. Okay. Aaron Judge was going to the Giants, but he had a typo, and he and and typed it as arson judge. <laughs> arson judge. So, I get it. I get jokes. So everyone was making <laughs> arson jokes on Twitter yesterday. He burned it. He burned down Twitter yesterday. He burned down Twitter. Yeah, so you, you, get, you get you get the people jokes. were on fire with those jokes. I'm people guessing. were on fire with the jokes. Andy, there you go. There you I'm glad I picked you up. <laughs> and then they yeah. doused the flames of those rumors this morning. Oh, okay. All right. Everyone shut That's up. That's enough. All of you shut up. Okay. Uh, We're going to sh- torch Greg for that. Shut <laughs> <laughs> Stop shy- blaming me, you guys. Shai Davidi. Shai Davidi is going to join us. Uh, 
MLB writer, Sportsnet, Blue Jays writer. We'll see what the Jays have done or more specifically have not done. Thus far, a lot of deals gone in and around baseball over the last 48 hours. So we'll go down to the winter meetings in San Diego. Talk to Shai Davidi. 7.30. Brian Burnham's going to join the show. Recently retired BC Lions wide receiver. We'll talk to him about putting a bow on his career. Uh, I wouldn't mind asking him about uh, Nathan Rourke a little bit, too. I know we want to make it almost exclusively about Brian, <laughs> given he retired. So, oh, Brian, I- great career. What's going on with Nathan Rourke? Have you heard about the workouts? How are they going? Is he doing well? I hope he's doing well. Brian Burnham's going to join us at 730. Uh, we will cap off an, an illustrious career with the BC Lions with Burnham in about an hour and a half's time. Finally, at 8.05, Dan Murphy from Sportsnet is going to join us. We go back to California, this time the Bay Area. Murph's going to join us live from San Jose. The Canucks will take on the Sharks tonight. 7.30 puck drop. Andy and Greg's favorite puck drop time. Nothing beats a 7.30 start. Am I right? It's cutting into my bedtime. I hate it. (laughs) 7.30 from San Jose. It's the Sharks. It's the Canucks. Uh, There's six other NHL games on tap tonight. Minnesota's got Calgary. Good one between Boston and Colorado. If only all of the Avalanche weren't injured. Uh, Arizona and Edmonton, Rangers and Golden Knights. 11 NBA games, and I mentioned it for the first time in what feels like a month, but it's probably only a couple weeks. No soccer today. No World Cup games this morning. You get two days off. You get back underway. The quarterfinals begin on Friday. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Uh, and working in reverse on the guests, 8.05 is Murph. 7.30 is Brian Burnham. 7.05 is Shai Davidi. 6.30 is Greg Wyshynski. That's the show. Now, let's go and tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? So are we obligated to start with the Aaron Judge thing, just even if briefly, because it literally happened and we never get breaking news on this show? Yeah, I think so. Aaron Judge uh, and the Yankees, according to multiple sources now, reach a nine-year, $360 million deal. Um, We're so used to these big numbers uh, when it comes to professional sports now, especially baseball, that is a lot of money. Right. I always tell the story of Dave Winfield when he signed the $20 million 10-year yeah. contract with the New York Yankees, and I was like, no one will ever earn more money than that. It stops right there. Dave Winfield has <laughs> hit the ceiling. So this is – now, he gets the honor, I suppose, of being the highest-paid player on an average annual payout at $40 million. Right, because it's nine years, three hundred sixty million, and it's the third highest contract in baseball history behind Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. Trout's was four hundred twenty-six million, so that's way more than you, Aaron Judge. And those guys were a lot younger though when they signed those deals. Right now, I guess the next monster deal is going to be Otani whenever that gets done. So who knows how long the numbers on this Judge one are going to hold up? But to be honest. It's kind of a bummer. I'm not going to lie. I mean, all due respect to the Yankees fans out there, AJ, if you're listening, sorry, bud, but this is kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. In, in, in what way? Do in you it, want, it's boring or the fact that he's going to stay in the division with the Jays? Both. Uh, mostly. The, I kind of like, I mean, I kind of, I know competitively, I'm sure Jays fans are like, ah, this guy stays in the division, but it is kind of fun to watch them play and the Yankees play the Jays a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more of that chaos theory, not unlike the NBA offseason where you see the really big names move and then fundamentally alter the power structure in the league. I didn't want him to go to the Giants, though. I thought it would have been interesting. I yeah. thought it would have been interesting to see him hit dingers into that, that short porch and put balls in the water and that kind of stuff. And I think it would have been – look, put it this did, way. Did you think he had a chance to break Bonds' record? 
and that would have been interesting? Um, yeah, I think it would have been a nice way to erase that stain on the game. But that was kind of the secondary thing. The primary thing was uh, it just really would have shaken up baseball. It would have mm-hmm. been a, like, one, you would have had the Yankees not retaining this guy that just set like historic yeah. marks for this historic franchise. That would have been funny. That would have been great, right? Yeah. I mean, I think from a schadenfreude point of view, it yeah. would have been fantastic. And it would have shifted the power dynamic. But I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I think everyone kind of understood that the Yankees were always going to be the team that was going to give them the most money. Every MLB insider we ever had over the last couple months when we asked, where's Aaron Judge going to play baseball next year? They all said, almost resigned themselves, they sighed, and they're like, it's probably the Yankees. And at the end of the day, it does end up being the New York Yankees. So we'll talk more about Aaron Judge with Shai Davidi just after 7 o'clock. Also, catch up on what the Jays are doing. Laddie, have they done anything significant yet? Uh, let me check. Uh, no. 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 They have not. They haven't done anything no. significant. So maybe by the time we talk, we got an hour to go before we speak with Shy. So uh, Things happen uh, quickly things happen at the winter meetings. Really so. quickly at the yeah. winter meetings. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks, people were still talking yesterday about that wild win over the Montreal Canadiens. Was that some Yannick Hansen audio that you played? It was a little um, bit of Yannick Hansen in, in the, the intro. intro? Yeah. What did he? What did he have to say about it when you were listening to? You? Was it? Was he like that's not good hockey? Essentially, it was uh, good for the fans, good for everyone to see, and happy for the win, but not exactly the way you want to be drawing up those victories. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think, yes, that that's obvious, right? Like that's not winning hockey, losing or or, or falling down for nothing, and then um, you know in the first period, that's that's not a winning winning strategy as far as I know. But man, it was still fun. It was one of the more fun nights that we've had this season with the Vancouver Canucks team that too often, especially at home, has not been resilient, has <laughs> not has not been um, – you, you remember early, uh, early on in their struggles at home, I think it might have been a game against Carolina, when Boudreaux was like, I don't understand how a team that's still looking for its first win – maybe it was New Jersey um, – like, how do you come out into the third period with that effort? So often, the Canucks would have third periods either by blowing leads or just by, I don't want to say giving up, mm-hmm. but not being resilient and just kind of, well, we're done. And that didn't happen against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, it's going to take a lot more than that to get me um, believing in this team as a good team, as a potential playoff team. Um I think the fan base as a whole right now is, you know, kind of like, I'm not going to get fooled again by this team. And you're going to need to put together a real string before we decide that you have what it takes to be a quote unquote good team in the NHL. They will get another chance tonight in San Jose. They held an optional practice yesterday ahead of the trip down to California. I guess don't forget that the Canucks are 7-3 and three in their last 10. Can't forget. It, it just doesn't feel that way. Their last three victories, I believe, are in overtime. Um, the Arizona victory wasn't all that impressive. Uh, one of those victories was an overtime victory over the San Jose Sharks, in which Thatcher Demko needed to be really good. Uh, however, the Canucks don't have Thatcher Demko uh, anymore. The Sharks... Have lost three in a row. David Quinn, their head coach, was pretty upset after their their last loss in Buffalo. This is San Jose's first game back at home after a road trip back east. So you know how everyone 
was what was the game? Was it the Washington game? Oh, that was it's hard when you come back off the road trip and you gotta hard. you gotta do laundry and and that's one of the excuses. You have to, you have to see your wife. You have to kids. you see you, have, you see your family and you're not focused on hockey anymore. So maybe the Canucks will have that going for them tonight with all the Sharks doing a bunch of laundry. It's all about the laundry. It's laundry night last night, or maybe it is tonight. Yeah, I think um, just a real quick note on the Habs game. Uh, I know we kind of came in yesterday, and we were the first people to talk about it because it was 6 o'clock in the morning. And I saw the narrative evolve throughout the day where they had the reactions and everything. I think Drance did like a 10 reactions from different players about the 7-6 game. I still I liked uh, Connor Garland's reaction, by the way. What was his play Connor Garland's oh. was uh, Connor Garland's was, I got nothing for you. Nice. That's about uh, that, right. and, and that was good for uh, Drance to include that. It's one of the ten. You got to put it in. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the reception is. He said, "I don't know, something. man. I got nothing for you." And Drance was like, "Okay, I'm gulp, say." I'm still not really looking at that game as anything more than a, a fun anomaly because one, I don't think it's it really proved anything other than the league wide trend that these games are probably going to happen more and more for a multitude of reasons. But I don't. I mean, I don't know if that was resiliency in the way that a lot of people are talking it up. Like I understand that you went down for nothing and it's a historic comeback in franchise history. You haven't done that in 49 years, but there's also something to be said for the team that surrendered said lead yeah. and kind of entertain the notion of getting into a, well, we're in one of these. Mm-hmm. I mean that again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the nine, eight game between Seattle and Los Angeles a week ago that everyone was kind of talking about as well. That was also in that same vein. Like, it's one of those games. And you know what I'm talking about, where nothing is being stopped. Everything you try and do, either defensively or in net, doesn't work. One of the goals in that game, did you see it, Laddie? The one that bounced off Cal Peterson's blocker, went straight up in the air, and then fell behind him. Like, it was just a game where a lot was happening and everything was going good. And then he got waived after that because he was so bad. So Mm -hmm. it kind of underscores everything that went wacky in a wacky game. That's how I saw it. But... You know what? There is something to be pointed out here, and I think the most important thing is you already said it. They are 7-3 and three in their last 10, and I think that's probably a reflection of a coach that is doing everything in his power and you know pushing whatever button and pulling whatever lever he can to just try and get a result on a nightly basis. Like I doubt Boudreaux's even doing the, let's try and win the week, boys, mm-hmm. where he does that look ahead at the schedule. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a game-to-game survival situation. <laughs> well, he, it might be for him. Yeah, Because it so. felt like if that game had gone the way it started and the Canucks had lost badly, and then you would look at their last four games, all of them at home, you'd have a 5-1 loss to Washington, a 5-1 loss to Florida, an unimpressive victory over Arizona, and then whatever the score would be in the Montreal yeah. game, if they had, it felt like Bruce wouldn't have survived that. To me, right. I, I was just, I was right. pr- fully prepared, and I've been kind of prepared to come into work and discuss Bruce Boudreaux losing his job a, a few times, but that one to me, I was like, man, that that can't keep happening, and especially the games at home. So hey, the Canucks came back. That's not. A story that we're discussing. They came back and good for them. We'll see how they do down in San Jose. So this is just apropos of nothing. Well, not nothing. I was listening to the guy the guys discuss this on the station yesterday, and I wanted to have this discussion on the Halford and Bruff show. I'm gonna throw some questions out here for listeners, and it's about Luke Shen and Luke Shen's future with the Vancouver Canucks. What would you need? in return for Luke Shen in a trade to make it worthwhile. He is 
a pending unrestricted free agent who's making not much. Now, oftentimes when unrestricted free agents are traded, even as rentals, they don't come back. They don't come back and re-sign. It's a nice theory that everybody has. Yeah. Ah, you can trade him, and right. then when he's done, he can come back. I think it's happened once. I think Antoine Vermette did yeah, it, once. It doesn't happen much. I, I, Keith it, Kachuk, I suppose it could happen with Luke Shen, uh, especially if he wants to make a home here in Vancouver long term. But oftentimes it's kind of like, yeah, you know what? Now that you've traded me, I, I'm, I'm not really feeling it. I'm, I'm going to go somewhere sure. else. Um, but it also brings up the question – if Shen really wants to be back next season, how much term and salary would you be willing to give him? Because although Luke Shen has, it's kind of felt like he's lived year to year in the NHL for the last, I don't know, six or seven years. Yeah. And, you know, he's talked about, people have asked me if I was going to retire because there, there was a time not too long ago where he was down in the AHL. Oh man, I mean he He was down he in the HL. There for he had a years. very tough run and now all of a sudden if I'm Luke Shen and I'm kind of like, you know what? I wouldn't mind making some more money. We're talking about a league that gave Erica Branson a 16 million dollar deal over 4 years. Mm-hmm. Luke Shen is not young, but he's not 100. He's 33. He's, he's 33. Would you be willing to give him a two-year term? Would you be willing? Uh, this is just a question for listeners. Would you yeah. be willing to give him? I don't know, four million over those two years, even more. How much do you like Luke Shen, and how much is he important to the Canucks going forward? For example, mm-hmm. how much of a factor is Quinn Hughes? In the Luke Shen decision, there doesn't seem to be anyone else that Luke, that Quinn Hughes plays well with. Uh, he is, in theory, a very good partner for Quinn Hughes. He's big and he's tough. He can help break up the cycle, sometimes things that Quinn Hughes struggles with. He's responsible defender. We all know the match that it's been with Quinn Hughes and Luke Shen. Mm-hmm. For So I would love to hear some uh, comments and opinions from the listeners. Text them into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Now, for the record, I love what Luke Shen brings to the Vancouver Canucks, but I also know that they need more stuff. Yeah, no, <laughs> they I need know. more assets. I know. And if they can get a pretty deal, like I, I don't know if I would. God, it it, it it depends so much about what he wants to do. Like I might consider talking extension with Luke Shen if he was willing to stay on a very low deal. Like give him term but his salary wouldn't increase much. You could give him the Lazar, 3 years, 3 million. Yeah, something along those lines. I don't know. Right? I, don't like, know. I don't know. I don't know. Here's some, here's, some, here's my issue. Something like that, but I I really would considering how um how desperate a lot of teams are around the NHL for defensemen, especially right shot defensemen, especially how um, his character, the fact that it always gets more physical in the playoffs, the fact that he has played really well, the fact that he's won Stanley Cups with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think the Canucks could get a pretty decent return. Maybe not a first round draft pick, but maybe a second round draft pick. And they the, could. you know, they like if they get a second could. round draft pick. You know, that's something they've given away. Yeah, no, they absolutely could. Um, You've seen prices for guys of this ilk 
get driven up more and more at the deadline because oftentimes Luke Shen is the answer to a question that you get wrong in the first place. Like you, you thought you were going to add some depth, but then another team beat you to the punch for a more higher profile defenseman at the deadline. And then it's like, well, now what do we do? Uh, what if we give a second for Luke Shen? And they're like, okay, fine, sign off on it. In, in my mind, Grapes, using my brain, I understand that that's 100% the right way to go if you're the Vancouver Canucks. Is There can be no emotional attachment to this asset. He is an asset, plain and simple. It should be, you should almost take the player profile out of it and just look at a journeyman defenseman who's 33 years old making 850000 on, on an expiring deal. That's something that you move 10, 10 times out of 10, logically speaking. Because not only is it ridiculous to let him hang on and then leave for nothing if he mm-hmm. does do that, uh, it also, you have to remember that you're a franchise that is not just like keeping its head at water level with regards to prospects and picks. They're below that. Yeah, They need to climb up into the water. Does that make sense? To get their head above water. Anyway, point being. Swim up. Swim up. Swim up, stupid. Uh, I, I just look at this. But then the emotional part and the the more... The, the less cold-blooded part of it comes in. And, and he is a guy that you want to hold on to. And you don't want to pay for intangibles. I know that. But there's something to be said for a guy that has redefined his game, provides leadership in that room. I think he's a good lesson, to be honest. Of all the guys on the team where you say you want to emulate him, Luke Shen's probably at the top of that list like nine or ten times out of ten. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was almost out of the league, had to reinvent himself as how he was going to play the way he was going to go about it. Uh, he's the all-time hits leader in the NHL. I mean, that, that I think that means something, probably more to a team that's going to acquire him. But I don't know. What are the what are the listeners saying about uh, this? There's a I'm lot of texts in here. Uh, I'll just start in any order here. So we need to blow it all up, but we'll keep Shen over getting assets for him? Am I on crazy pills here? Yes, that's the – So yes. I think a lot of this depends on how you see the Canucks – over the next few years, is it a who cares if we win? In fact, we kind of want to tear it, not tear it down. Well, maybe tear it down and embrace the cycle of the NHL, which is rewarding bad teams with high draft picks. If that's the way you want to go with this team, obviously you trade Luke Shen and you get assets. Yeah. But there are still some people <clears throat> and some that might work at Rogers Arena. What? that see this team as salvageable and you peck away at the roster and you try and make a few trades, you try and clear some salary, mm-hmm. and hopefully the uh, the contracts uh, that belong to players that aren't that good, and you try and come back next season and you try and make the playoffs again. Yep. And if you're of that opinion, you might be keeping Luke Shen, right? You might mm-hmm. think that he is an important part of your team and you're trying to keep Luke Shen. Now, I'm not of that opinion, but there are people out there. And so far, what we've seen is this management group is of that opinion. And until we hear something different from this management beyond we're just going to keep pecking away at this roster, I think you should assume that they are not in the blow it up camp. (laughs) Chuck in the blueberry fields. Yep. He works his tail off, is a better defender now than he was six years ago. Two by two is almost free for a steady defenseman who can also bring leadership. Mm-hmm. Well, free, but then you're probably giving up. There's an opportunity cost to that. There's an opportunity cost, and that is whatever you can get for him in a trade, and also whatever else 
you could bring in for two by two mm-hmm. in free agency. Yeah. I mean, the thing you got to consider here is how crazy some teams go at the deadline. I think that, like, there's a lot of people pushing back on the notion that Shen could fetch you a second. That is not a far fetched notion, folks. It's really not. If, if Erica Branson can get $16 million over four years, Luke Shen can get you a second round pick at the deadline. Did you see some of the defensemen that were getting first round picks the last Florida year? Florida Panthers gave up a first and a fourth for Ben Sherratt. Yeah. Big Ben Sherratt. Okay. I mean, there are people that will go nuts. If they all remember this, most important thing to remember all it takes is one. It takes one team. Just like it took one team to give Eric Branson $16 million in free agency. It just, take one. it just takes one. Uh, Travis Hamanick. Remember, the Canucks got a third for him. You remember this, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, that is unbelievable. What a, what a great move by the Canucks. You know why? Because it took one. It took Jack Capuano, who liked him from his time in New York, and was now working for the Sens. And they said, okay, let's make this happen. Yeah. right? And all of a sudden, you end up getting a great trade out of the deal. Remember, too, is that Shen's profile this year is pretty robust. Like, I mean, the hits thing is the hits thing, whatever. But um, he's done a really good job of dropping the mitts. He plays a lot. He's not on the ice for a lot of goals compared to some of his other teammates. So you could sell a pretty nice story about the guy. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is when you're writing that story and selling it, you might be like, hmm, maybe a guy that fits our profile pretty well. Maybe we should just keep him. That's, yeah. And that's where the debate's going to go. Like the Canucks could have kind of used Tyler Mott this season. I'm yeah. not saying they shouldn't have trade him, traded him, but they could have used him. Right, right. Now, the the yeah. PK still stinks. Yeah, and I mean, and th- and that's something where the returns on Mott were almost the opposite. You felt a little bit like, mm, that wasn't really worth it. It's a mm-hmm. fourth round pick, and I thought uh, people had higher aspirations for what the Canucks were. He didn't get have the brand recognition that Luke Shen does. That's true. Luke Shen does have a brand. I mean, he's he's very well established throughout the league. People like him. Everyone seems to like Luke. People Shen. like him. He yeah. was a high draft pick. He has yeah. his own cologne. He does. <laughs> His brand. Come on. You know like, what? If you Shen's brand? If you, had really? kept, <laughs> if you had kept going with it, I would have been like, "Wicked!" He's got his own fragrance. That's amazing. Okay, uh, we got we have a lot more to get to on the program today. I thought we were going to get through more in the first half hour, but then we started talking about Luke Shen, and it is a passion project of ours here on the Halford and Bruff Show. We can go through everything that happened in the NHL yesterday at some point on the show. But coming up, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN is going to join us. Uh, we'll whip around with Wish on some of the bigger stories uh, as we are now into December. So we're past American Thanksgiving, and we're into December. A reminder, uh, Canucks and Sharks tonight, 7.30 from San Jose. Note the puck drop time. Uh, We will lead you right up until that, as well as it is a game day here on Sportsnet 650. You are listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Six thirty-three on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. Uh, I should mention that music means Greg Wyshynski's coming up on the show. Just a second. Later on in the show, we're going to announce a Wednesday's entrant into the Sea to Sky Exotic Driving Experience Giveaway. Yes, that's right. The folks at Scenic Rush, visit them on the internet, scenicrush.com, 
are giving you a chance to drive not one, not two, not three, but four supercars on the Sea to Sky Highway. I don't know if supercars is an official term or if they just made it up. No, supercars is a thing. So a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, a Corvette, and a Porsche, those are all supercar status. I wonder what the cars just outside of supercar status are. I mean, these are just star cars. The Jetta. The, the, Civic. Humble, the humble Jetta. Yeah. <laughs> the Pinto. The, the, the very good cars. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, three-hour driving experience. You go up to Squamish and back. Uh, if you want to be entered into the draw, which will happen on Friday, send to what we learned, hashtag it WWL. The Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Uh, all you need to do is hashtag it WWL. Tell us what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports and add a car emoji. That's important. It lets Andy sift through the entries, okay? So if you want to win that, we're doing an entrance every day, and then on Friday we're going to do the grand prize draw. Got it? Good. Phone lines we go. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN, now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Wish. How are you? That supercar better turn into a robot. Like, to me, that's a supercar. Right. That's my, that's my bar for whether the car is super or not, is if the car I'm driving uh, can turn into – Bumblebee right. or, or or Optimus Prime. What is your favorite car of all time? It can be a fictional car on TV. Mine is Knight Rider. Mm. <laughs> Knight Rider's a good one. Um, well, there, there's two. It's the, the James Bond, Aston Martin. Oh, yeah. Um, the tricked out one with mm-hmm. the ejector seat and, and all the, you know, the hidden stuff. Uh, and then, obviously... Uh, the Batmobile, man. I mean, the Batmobile's got a turbine on the back of it. Um, depending on which incarnation of Batman you're talking about, it may have machine guns, it may not. And uh, it's just awesome. It's part, it's part of the package, man. There's a reason why people fear the Dark Knight. And it's not just because of the outfit. It's because he drives a tricked-out automobile as well. No Back to the Future DeLorean wish? Mm. Well, the DeLorean itself is, is, isn't a great car. It's the technology strapped to it, basically. But right? it's a time it's, machine. It's... <laughs> well, I understand it's a time machine, but some, you know, some of us have respect and fear of, of the implications of, of temporal uh, interference. Mm. You the, know, the you butterfly go back effect. In time. You, the butterfly yeah, the butterfly effect. You go back in time and you, know, you, you don't hire Jim Benning, and who knows what happens. Right. I mean, it could be a, a, a chain reaction of things. All of a sudden, the Seattle Kraken don't exist. Yeah, that's you never true. know what's going to happen. Folks, take notes. That's how you pander to an audience while segueing yeah. all at the same time. You're very good. <laughs> I was actually my second pick was the Volkswagen van that chased the DeLorean in Back to the Future. <laughs> right. What that was those? Just, it was full of the, the Libyans. One driven, the one, yeah, I was going to say the one driven by the Libyans. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> ones. That, yeah, that that thing had some pickup. For I don't know how they, how they did, but they found me. They somehow <laughs> found me. <laughs> It's just like I just picture just picture Jason at some some Hollywood auction, and he's the only one lifting up a sign for the van driven by the Libyans in the, in the Back to the Future movie. Oh, somebody bid on this? <laughs> was it the Libyans? Are they here? Yeah, All right, that was, that was a good van. All right, uh, Wish, you've got an article out on uh, the coaching hot seat. And I know you reached out to a bunch of your sources and asked them, who do you think is going to be the first to be fired? Was there a unanimous decision? And if so, who, who was it? There wasn't a single person who texted me back that didn't have the word Bruce in their text, mm. whether it was the full name yeah. or just Bruce. And, you know, part of that obviously is the way of the world with the, with the Canucks. I mean, you know, 
you know, granted, occasionally they rise up and, and win an exciting game as they did the other night. But I mean, we all can see the standings. We all can see where where they are and, and the disappointment inherent in that. But it's also impossible not to have him be the de facto hottest seat guy when, you know, there's been so many indications from his own general manager who didn't hire him uh, that he's been displeased with the way the team has been coached and, and everything else. So, you know, whether it's now or whether it's in a few weeks or whether it's later, um, everybody in the NHL believes the first guy out the door is going to be Boudreau. And, and what's interesting about it, boys, is that if you look back at the last two full, well, I mean, full, by that I mean like starting in October NHL season. Norm, normal seasons. Normal, yeah, as normal as we can get. Um, there's usually been about four coaching changes by now. Yeah. And we've not seen any of them yet. And I think, you know, as I get into in the in the story on ESPN.com today, you know, part of that is we had about a dozen teams uh, name new head coaches in the offseason. Those guys obviously are going to get a little bit of runway. They're not going to be out the door. Um, and then there are just some other situations that are obviously in really good shape. It's it's kind of a weird year. Uh, by this time, we've we've had more turnover than 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 we've had, uh, you know, typically. And and so uh, maybe maybe there's also an, an anticipation that somebody's going to have to go at some point. Okay, so the guys, this is the the coaching hot seat index, and the first header is burning up. So Boudreaux's obviously atop the burning up list. I want to go through all these because I think these are really interesting scenarios, including one guy that just entered the chat. Uh, but let's start with Dallas Aikens in Anaheim because they were de- they were designed. Is he de- still the coach there? He's still Welcome the coach. Yeah, they're just, they're, he's got the bathroom key. He knows where it is. He's he's good to go for now. Uh, I knew that they were designed to be bad. I don't think anyone figured that they would be this bad. Well, I don't know. I don't know how bad they were designed to be. I mean, they were obviously not designed to challenge for a Stanley Cup but I mean I don't think that they necessarily thought they would be this porous defensively and and in Pat Verbeek uh, their general manager said the other day that he did expect them to be a bit better than what they are and acknowledge that you know with a group of young players it's, it's sometimes hard to really all get on the same page play well defensively and, and really judge a team in the first 20 games of the season so Aikens is in the last year of his contract he's not going to be the coach of this team next year He's not the guy that Verbeek hired. Um, you know, he's going to bring in his own guy. We all know that. It's just a matter of whether or not um, he wants to cut ties with Dallas in season to maybe give someone else a little bit of runway to better know the team. That sometimes happens, you know, when they want, you want to give a new guy a, little, a chance to kind of come in, know the players, know who stays, who goes, that kind of thing. And so I think Aikens probably survives until after the season, but there's always a chance that they pull the trigger a little bit early in order to give the new guy a little bit of time. Uh, Jason, I'll turn it to you. Since you just realized that Dallas Aikens was still the head coach in Anaheim, I have a, <laughs> I have a trivia question for you. The Anaheim Ducks have played 27 games this year. Guess how many regulation wins they have? Three. One. One? They have one regulation win in 27 games this year. What, what I and find, they just got it against the Rangers in late November. What I find amazing is that there are only seven coaches in the NHL who have had their jobs for longer than Dallas Akins with Anaheim. Yeah, he's a, he's a long-tenured veteran coach in this league. Where is DJ Smith on that list? Because he's the Actually, next guy I want Actually, he's in that group of seven. Uh, both those guys <laughs> were hired around the same time, the offseason of 2019. Because, Wish, you got, um, you got DJ Smith on the burning up list as well. And he belongs there. I mean, you know, the difference between DJ Smith and, and Dallas Akins is, is expectations. You know, they went out and, 
and made a real splash in the offseason to bring in uh, Claude Giroux, to bring in Alex Brinkett. And the, the team has been really bad. And, and injuries are, have played a role in that, let's, let's be honest. I mean, starting with uh, Cam Talbot, who is going to you know, allegedly sure up their goaltending being out uh, early in the season, um, and, and the injuries have continued on. The big question with Smith, besides the fact that Pierre Dorian has, has kind of given him some votes of confidence publicly and talked about him not necessarily being the problem there, the big, the big question is, will there be a coaching change made before the team is sold? Um, and, and it's a really interesting question because I think there's also an expectation that if and when the team is sold, um, <laughs> Pierre Dorian might be out of a job too. So, you know, do you even allow him to make a coaching change if he might not be the GM anyway uh, after the fact? So a lot of questions about where that franchise is headed, and I don't think we really will know what that, those answers are until – uh, Ryan Reynolds takes over the team. I mean, in theory. Okay, and the last one I want. <laughs> nice. The last I heard one he's I want... a big DJ Smith supporter. Actually, <laughs> yeah, he loves DJ Smith. The last well, guy. I, I said. I said. I said in the piece, like DJ Smith should right now be plastering his coaching office with Deadpool posters. <laughs> so when the new boss walks in, he's like, "I'm a huge fan. I have waiting on DVD." You know, something like that. Uh, there's one more guy I want to get to before we move on. At, and I said one of the coaches had recently entered the chat. Gerard Gallant, is he really in trouble or is this just, I think James Dolan might be crazy enough if they underperform to do this or like, I'm, I was just surprised to see his name on the list. So it's a combination of two factors. One is definitely the James Dolan factor. Uh, this is, this is uh, the people I've talked to around the league about Gallant and about the Rangers also the same thing, which is you just cannot count out the idea that James Dolan's going to do something wacky in season. I mean, he, he's the guy who, you know, initiated hockey operations to be, you know, canned in season uh, a few years back, which led to Chris Drury getting this job as the GM. So the James Dolan of it all means that we can't completely dismiss the idea that Klein could be in trouble. The other thing, too, obviously, is that it's not like this guy has overstayed his welcome in, in, in places. I mean, when, yeah. when Gerard Gallant has success, it's immediate. When Gerard Gallant is out of a job, it's, it's pretty soon after. Um, so you have to kind of look at that too. Uh, but overall, I think the issues with the Rangers are, are really interesting because if you, if you look under the hood, they're playing better analytically than they did last season. They're just not getting the same kinds of results. And, and ultimately, um, what's really done them in, it, besides the inconsistency of some of their, their more uh, prominent players, is that Igor Shishurkin's been excellent rather than being Dominic Hasek, which is what he was last year. And, and so that little downtick in quality, I think, has exposed some of the issues the Rangers have. I think Gallant's safe, but, but there's enough smoke and enough conjecture here in New York that you have to put him on that list. Jared Bednar is definitely safe, but right now he's looking at a lineup that is a shell of the lineup that won the Stanley Cup just a few months ago. Nathan McKinnon, the latest to go out, he's going to be out about a month. Do you think the Avs do anything because everyone expected them to address maybe the second line center position, but that would have been closer to the trade deadline. They're not comfortably in a playoff position right now. I don't know if anyone's worried about that, but do you think the, the avalanche might be forced to do something or feel the need to do something sooner rather than later? I don't, I think they know inherently that, winning the president's trophy probably isn't going to happen <laughs> given 
the injury to Landis Cog, the injury to McKinnon, like all the things that they've dealt with, Nikushkin being out of the lineup for as long as he's been out. Like they're missing some really prominent key people. But I also think they know that when they're at full capacity, they're a team that can win a second consecutive Stanley Cup, uh, especially if they do what we all expect them to do, which is to bring in somebody uh, to fill in that second-line center spot that was abandoned when Nazem Kadri left. Um, so I don't expect them to do anything drastic or, or really make a, a big push to try to fill in the hole left by McKinnon's injury unless it's something longer term than they're letting on, which it doesn't sound like it is. Because I, I think they know that they can finish in the second wild card spot in the West and still win the Stanley Cup. Like, they're that good when they're at full capacity. So just do what you can, maintain, try, scratch and claw, pick up points where you can, and then when you get the reinforcements in, off you go. If you had to bet on a guy being that second-line center candidate, obviously, you know, Bo Horvat has been kicked around here in Vancouver as a potential candidate um jonathan taves we've heard uh, a few things about him is there anyone else on that list is there a favorite on that list i don't know if there's a favorite on the list i i, I do think both of those guys are are probably the two most prominent names because of their contract status in particular and just because of you know how good they can be uh, especially uh taves in that spot's just really intriguing just because of the, the the experience that he has in the postseason and, and him fitting in really well and, and what essentially is sort of the, the secondary role to McKinnon requiring you to play it maybe a little bit more D and, and we all know Taves can still do that. Um, the question is whether he wants to leave Chicago and, and, and there's no guarantee that he does. There's no guarantee that he wants to uproot his life for a few months before hitting unrestricted free agency. It could be a situation where he a decides to stick around Chicago or B uh, just doesn't want to have to up, have that upheaval. And we've seen that before with veteran guys that have no moves. Like it doesn't necessarily mean they're sticking with their team, but it also mean, it, it just might mean that they don't want to necessarily interrupt their lives uh, in pursuit of, of, of a cup that they've already won. Um, so either one of those options are going to be really good. And, and obviously I, I, I'd be shocked if uh, the avalanche didn't upgrade that position at the trade that before or at the trade deadline, because it feels like a real hole in their lineup and, um, the new hook thing didn't work out the way they thought, and they'll probably try to find a veteran solution. If I could fantasy cast a guy there, boys, by uh-huh. the way, Logan Couture. It's wow. not going to work out contractually, but you talk about a, a, an absolute gamer, like a guy that would be a, just the perfect second-line center behind a star like, and, and, and will give you – 150% in the playoffs and, and compete and do all the little the little dirty things that, that Kadri could do during a game, too. Like, Kater is my guy. I'm, I'm, I, I want to send in SEAL Team 6 and rescue him from San Jose and put him on a contender because I think he's, he's a really, really good player for that kind of role. Well, the Canucks are playing in San Jose tonight, and we were going to have this conversation later on, but let's have it with you. Who do you think is more likely to be traded by the Sharks, Eric Carlson or Timo Meyer? Timo Meyer. Yeah, I mean, Carlson, again, like, the the trick of, of, of the Carlson one is, is the no move. And mm. I hearken back to those days of, of how many veteran players we've seen wave their no move to no longer be in the Bay Area. <laughs> like, like, that's why you sign that contract. That's why you get the no move is because you decided to put down roots in, in one of the best places to live in the United States. Um, and so unless it's to a place like Florida, for example, um, I, I, you're going to have to convince me that that Eric Carlson is going to waive that no move to 
you know, uproot his family and, and go live in some, some other part of the, of the country or uh, of the continent. And I just don't see it. So the, the Meyer thing, he's got a ton of value. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be after him. And then obviously, like, we know what his price point is on the next contract, given how wacky that arbitration ruling was uh, insofar as what he's making this season. So I definitely think that Meyer has a higher, there's a higher chance of him moving than Carlson just because, I still think back to like how difficult it was to try to convince Joe Thornton or Patrick Marlowe to waive their trade protection because once you start living in that area and it becomes home, uh, you don't want to leave. And that's why you get trade protection. You don't think that chasing a Stanley Cup would be tempting for Eric Carlson? I think it's tempting for any player, but you have to remember the, the, all of the other parts of this too. It's not simply just like, hey, this team has a chance to win. It's, it's, hey, this team has a chance to win and they can fit my cap hit under their cap and I want to live there. <laughs> like, that's a, yeah. a huge part of it too. And when you're a player that's a little bit older, you've got yourself a family. Um, again, you've established yourself in a, in, a, in a really nice place to live in a place that a lot of players haven't left. I mean, my God, I just mentioned Logan Kateri. He's been there the in, his entire career, he's got trade protection, and, and I'm sure there's a very good chance he'll finish his career there. Um, it's, it's, a real, it's a real tough equation to figure out when you have all of those ancillary things uh, to, to parse out along with the idea of chase the cup. But again, like, I get, we, we go back to something I was talking about before about like, the trade deadline. Like, the chasing the cup thing, doesn't, uh, isn't that the exception to the rule? I always, I always go back to like, that Matt Sundin situation right with the with the Leafs where they were always trying to trade him and they're like don't yeah. you want to go play for a contender and he's like I don't care man I'm pretty happy here <laughs> like I don't want to I don't need I don't need I don't need three months of 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 uh of figuring out life while also trying to compete for a team that I'm unfamiliar with in a locker room where I don't know anybody like right uh, the chasing the cup idea I think is a really interesting concept but it doesn't always work out that way and that's why when we start talking about guys like Patrick Kane for example you have to start thinking about all right, where does he want to play as familiar? He, he's, he's got a relationship with Matt Barzell. He's got a relationship with Artemi Panarin. Like, you want to go someplace where you're not going to have your life completely uprooted in pursuit of, of, a, of, a, of a championship um, because, like, that ultimately probably isn't going to do you any good on the ice when, when you feel that awkward about, uh, about how, what, what a massive life change it's been for you to be in one place your entire career and then all of a sudden you're in another place for maybe only a couple months or a couple weeks. <laughs> Yeah, that is actually interesting. I never really thought about that. I've always just thought about it. You win the Stanley Cup, but I wonder if it makes a difference if you win the Stanley Cup with a bunch of guys that you don't really know. Or that you don't even like. Yeah. <laughs> like there's, yeah. there's a, we all play fantasy sports. We, we all see these guys as names on a roster. Like It's very easy sometimes to forget that there's a lot of other stuff that goes on in the background that we're not privy to. Um, and, and that sometimes, I mean, I'll give you a good, a good example. Brandon Hagel last year with the lightning, like Brandon Hagel was a huge deadline acquisition and, you know, he was having a great season with the Chicago Blackhawks. And when I was covering the lightning in the playoffs, like their two guys that they picked up were him and Nick Paul yep. and Nick Paul has this big boisterous personality. He fit in well. He's kind of like Pat Maroon jr. In the room. Like he just, he just fit. Hagel didn't at first, like he was kind of a different personality. You know, he had a life in Chicago. He really liked, he went to Tampa. It was awkward. And, and that translated to his sort of inconsistency and, and inability to really recapture the magic on the ice. And, and, and so you have to kind of think about these things when you see these deadline acquisitions and, and these rentals is it's not always just simply, 
hey, strap on the skates, we're going to win a cup. It's, it's all that other stuff that goes along with it, too. It's one of the great Wyshynski theories of all time, the old, I don't really want to move my stuff. Yeah, I already had like six people tweet that at me because of the Aaron Judge news. This yeah, morning. yeah, it, just, it is, it is, it is canonical. Yeah, people don't want to leave their stuff. His stuff was in New York, <laughs> and Arson Judge decided to stay uh, in New York and uh, and be a Yankee. Wish you're the best, bud. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again next Wednesday. Anytime. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Well, thanks, uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. If you're just waking up and you just heard that. Yeah, Wish is right. Aaron Judge, a.k.a. Arson Judge, has signed a nine-year, $360 million extension to remain a New York Yankee. That, womp, came, womp. that came down early this morning. As a matter of fact, the news was broken prior to us even getting on the air. Very rarely do we get breaking news at 6 a.m. our time. So uh, we've kind of been digesting all of that. Coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show, we'll get some reaction live from the MLB Winter Meetings in San Diego. Shai Davidi is going to join us. Uh, Blue Jays MLB reporter for Sportsnet. He is down at the Winter Meetings in San Diego. It's been a very busy start to the MLB offseason with regards to free agency and trades and everything else. A lot of money being splashed around. So we'll talk to Shai about that, what the Blue Jays have or have not done. Laddie, quick update. Have the Blue Jays done anything in free agency yet since we asked last time? Checking the wire and no, they have not. Dang, that's 15 minutes of complete inactivity. So we will get to Shai Davidi on the other side of the break. Uh, as we run through the show really quickly, uh, we, a lot of guests today. It's 7.30. We're going to be joined by uh, Brian Burnham, who, of course, is the recently retired BC Lions wide receiver. We'll talk to him about his sparkling career in BC and what's next. Uh, did you did you tell me that he's uh, he's going back to school? Is he completing his master's? He's working on his master's right yeah. now, yeah. Nice. Okay, so we'll talk to Brian about that at 7.30, and then at 8 o'clock. You are too, aren't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have a, a master's in partying and a PhD in good times. Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 8 o'clock, speaking of good times, Dan Murphy's going to join us. But they had a good time in San Jose yesterday. Uh, the, the Canucks and the media flew down last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, of course, play the Sharks tonight at 7.30. So we'll talk to Murph at 8.05 from San Jose. So we're going to, we're going to San, uh, San Diego at 7.05 in San Jose. At 8.05. This is a very California feel to this show. we got a lot more to get to. Don't go anywhere. Shai Davidi coming up next for a little baseball talk here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.